0: Welcome to Into the Fire. I'm Duncan.
1: And I'm Kate.
0: And we're here to talk about life.
1: The good, the bad, and the ugly.
0: So come join the conversation.
1: Well, hello again. It's great to be with you. And today I have a very special guest with me, Linley Allen, who is our um, Catch the Fire pastor from Auckland, New Zealand. And she's
0: been visiting with us this week. So great to have you with us, Lindley. Oh, it is so wonderful to be here and to be with my family and friends and, you know, I'm just having a great time. So I just appreciate being able to be here and just soak up the glory that's here at Catchafire Raleigh. It's oh, awesome.
1: It's great to, we've said it many times, but it's great to be part of a global family where, you know, the kingdom of God is expanding all over the nations of the world and um We have just got the privilege of hearing a little bit about your story today, Mm. Lindley. You know, your story, you're married to lovely Stu and he's home in New Zealand, poor thing. Um, Probably a little bit colder over there right now, Um, but, you know, we've we've been friends for many years and walked a journey with you through different phases of your life and, you know, um, the testimony of God's miracle working power in your life, I just knew it was too good not to share with with our listeners today. So, mm. Lindley, we're going to talk to you today about how um, you walked through a journey of childlessness as mm. a couple and yeah. how that turned out for you. But, you know, not everyone will know the, the ending and I'm not going to be a spoiler right now. So I wonder if you could just share the story of what life was like for
0: you and Stu in those days. Absolutely it is a wonderful story and you know it was such a journey of ups and downs so you know we we were the typical couple of dating and getting married and then doing our overseas trip you know like all Kiwis do um, and then we came back and thought right we'll just settle down and buy a house and start a family and just the same sort of journey that a lot of our other friends did and uh, so we we, came, we did all that came and we, we just were really pressing in as you, as you do to get financially stable which we did and we bought a house and that was just wonderful and then we were trying for a family and three years later nothing had happened uh, and people were getting pregnant around us and uh, we were away on holiday one day and uh, over a Christmas holiday and we just looked at each other and went I think it's time to to go to a fertility clinic and investigate what exactly is wrong. And so this was back in uh, 1997 uh, that we did this. And so we we did that. You know, we were pretty scared to do it, but we did it. And we went through quite a number of months of, of treatment and blood tests and, uh, you know, having phone calls at certain times of the day saying that we had to... Um, you know <laughs> when to have sex and when not to have sex, and I, it was quite—it's an interesting journey when you go through fertility. There's no shame, you know, because wow. <laughs> you've got to find out how your body works and everything. And so we—we we did that, and then there was the day that they were called. We were called into the doctor's office to get um, results on some tests, and um, Stuart came. You know, we met in the middle of the day at a lunch hour, and we sat in our doctor's office, and the doctor just said um, both of you. Uh, infertile and futile, um, and it's go- it's never going to happen. Um, this is not going to be part of your journey. Wow, what a devastating blow!
1: And you know, just rewinding a little bit, you know, the time that you decided to go for um, fertility treatment, that must have been quite a scary, daunting journey. Anyway, just realizing our bodies are not working, it's not happening as we thought it would, how how did you even pick up the courage to even go and see a doctor about this and, and talk about something very openly and very vulnerably, I suppose?
0: Yeah, well, it is very scary because in your heart, you just want to pretend that everything's okay. That, you know, maybe even, even as Christians, you know, we're going to go, well, God's in control of everything, right? So there's the timing of God. Maybe it's just not his time or... You know, maybe maybe there's a, you know, a real practical reason why we're not getting pregnant or whatever. So, it takes courage to face the facts, you know. But um, I think that at the end of the day, we both had this resolve of if it's good news or bad news, I just want to know it. And so, mm. I think you get to a point where you the the wondering in the no man's land that you're in, you you lose. You lose the ability to stay in that place. You you get to the place of of desperation, Mm. and we did, and we were, you know, and so that kind of propels you into taking action, and so we did. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. wow, that was a brave thing, and then to
1: have um, that outcome as well must have been devastating for you. How how was it, sort of, just even leaving the doctor's office, having to tell your family having to tell your friends that had got newborn babies you know what was that like for you
0: um it was awful (laughs) to be honest it was uh like how do you tell your grandparents that you're not going to have a child you know how do I tell my mum you know and uh even now I, I remember those emotions wow and then you know and then you get the sympathy looks, you know, oh, you know, I'm sorry, or, you know, and then there's the people don't know how to respond to you because their bodies are working perfectly and they're producing children and they've got kids or whatever and so they don't really know how to respond uh, easily. And it's hard, uh, but I think for for us... I think we we just kind of had to dive ourselves into God. I mean, we had nowhere else to go. We had nowhere else to go. And I remember we came, we left the doctor's office, and he was in Stuart was in tears. I was in tears, and we had to drive back to our respective places of business. And then we agreed to meet um, at a restaurant that night because we were going to a conference that John and Carol were. hosting and so we I had the anchor of that evening meal we'll we'll process later okay we'll process later but of course you know when you uh, have a shock when you have news that brings shock to your emotions that's very upsetting so we cried all the way home and then I was a wreck at work and didn't do any work in the afternoon and then uh, we met at night and then we sat down together and looked at each other across the restaurant table and just started a process.
1: Wow yeah I mean it's it's like grief. It's, it's loss. Loss of the dream of having your own child is like losing someone really losing the potential children that you thought were going to be yours. And, you know, I don't know if I was really ever in touch with many couples when we were having our own children and our story was very opposite to yours. We had children just, sometimes just by looking at each other it felt you know they came very quickly we conceived very easily i had no complications with any pregnancy or delivery and you know textbook and it was it was hard for me even to understand what emotions a, a mother would feel if she didn't have the choice and our third daughter she came really quickly And I was almost like, why did this happen? And I went through this period of shock and adjustment and thought, wow, I would have done it a different way. And I think that was my only um, point where I was in touch with the sovereignty of God. You know, that God had chosen to give me a child very quickly after my second child. And was I going to adjust to this? And so there was a bit of there was grief of like, I'm losing my own time now, I'm losing my ability to get my body back in shape. La de da. But it pales into significance. If I if the choice of actually having a child had been taken away from me at that moment, I think it would have been a different reaction. Um, but you know, later on we got to meet you when we had our three little girls and you know you had walked through a journey of processing and adjusting to the reality that you weren't going to have children naturally. So tell us the story, you know, of the process time and, you know, holding on to God was such a significant thing. Um, how, how did that bear fruit in your life in a, a way that brought restored some hope to your life and purpose again? outside of the conventional raising children paradigm?
0: Yeah, well, we, we had the experience of having the plan and it was the feeling of someone taking the whiteboard um, and where the plan was written and just erasing the plan. So we went from having a plan for our lives and having some goals and direction, to having no plan and no direction mm. in an instant. And so we had to just um, come to the realization that this that that our life wasn't our own, that there are forces at work that are beyond us. And so we the only way to go in those situations is God. And so we made a commitment that night, that very day, that we were told that news was the beginning of the journey of finding ourselves again in a land that we weren't anticipating being in, which is the land of no kids. And so we just held hands and prayed and said, God, we'll we'll go for healing, we'll do what we can, but the bottom line is you are the creator of life. You are the one who gives life, you are the one who takes life away. Mm. And so therefore, being your children... We throw ourselves into your grace and your mercy and say, Lord, you are the Lord of our lives. And I think that's really pivotal that the moment when we realized that things weren't going to work out the way that we thought was going to be, that we returned to him. In our hearts, and I and and as much as that's hard because you want to fight it and you want to go, but that's not fair. And 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 how come they get to have kids and we don't? And if you go down that track, it just ends in turmoil, emotional oh. turmoil. If mm. you can have the fortitude and the to 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 humble yourself before the Lord and saying, Lord, your plan A is the best plan. Your if the Scripture really says that your plans are for good and to prosper us, then we have to hang on to the truth of that. And it may not look like what we thought it was going to look like, but if it's whatever your plan is, is the best for us. And that's where we have to totally abandon ourselves and that's what we did we abandoned our hearts onto the into the heart of the father father you are good and so therefore we're not going to fight this we're just going to pray for healing and believe that your plan is going to work out and in the end of the day that is completely up to you and part I think that what I've talked to some couples and you know unfortunately if you don't go down the 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 yielding to the Lord's sovereignty track pathway, you can go down another pathway called bitterness and resentment. Wow, that is so true, isn't it? And you know
1: that place of yieldedness and surrender to God just saying, here I am I have nothing now I'm on ground zero and you've got to rebuild my life takes humility but there's something beautiful in that surrender because you find the way of grace. You you find the way and you find the arms of mercy around you. And, you know, to be able to walk a road where your heart is free of bitterness and unforgiveness and even blame towards God. And I'm sure there was all those emotions swirling. But, you know, just that heart of surrender and yieldedness to say, God. You have still got my life. You are good. That's an incredible place to get to. Did you need help to get there? Or was it wrestling it out with God? Like Jacob wrestled before God. Was it a process of wrestling with each other and God? and Or did you have some help with that?
0: You know, I believe that we drew upon our relationship with God at that moment. And... I had to let go of a lot of expectation um, and I think partly we packed a lot of that emotion away and put it in a box and put it in the closet and closed the door and walked away um, but we didn't realise that we did but in in hindsight there was parts of us that we kind of went I don't know how to deal with this so I'm just going to package it up and put a bow on it and put it stick it in the closet um, and then there's the practical side of real of of gazing towards the future with hope in your heart and believing that your life could be good and great and fulfilling even when it isn't what you thought it was going to be yeah so it's leaning true. on hope you know it's yes. it's never ever ever letting go of hope yes yeah the god of
1: all hope fill in your heart and you said about you know some of those emotions were packed away and a you tied a bow on them. When did they start popping up? Did you have? Did you realize that you had to deal with emotions even later on, years later? What happened?
0: Yeah, well, so we did end up in Toronto going through the school. And then, you know, in that environment, in that school of ministry environment, if anyone's been to a full-time study school or Bible school or ministry school, this is the hot house of the Holy Spirit, you know, and these places are places of transformation, and that's exactly what happened for Stu and I. That we actually had to face the grief. We gr- we had grieved a bit, and then packaged it up and got on with our lives, um, because in natural fact, you own you, you do what you think mm-hmm. you do what you can do to keep going, right? And so, but then there was a time where the Lord actually wanted to unpack that, and I remember having times of many tears and anger especially around Mother's Day and Father's Day and and just not wanting to go to church because they gave all the roses to the women who have got who are mums and all this sort of stuff and it's just like well this is just horrible and uncomfortable and awkward and I'm not going there (laughs) you know um and then you get angry about that and so there's the anger and then there's the grief and there's the disappointment and then there's the control so you know, in a Christian environment, you've got people who are prophesying over you. Oh, you're going to have babies, and I can see this. And I'm like, be quiet. Is that was that your yeah. way of controlling? Yeah, I'm like to shut down the rhetoric. I shut down, and we publicly got up in front of oh. our um, the people that we were in leadership over, and we said. Please keep all prophetic words and dreams and visions to yourself. We no longer want to hear it. We actually said that publicly. Yeah, because it was just too painful to have another prophetic word about, oh, yes, I see a baby in your arms. And I'm like, just please stop it. So you were in a revival culture, a prophetic culture.
1: Like, how can you keep that down? I mean, you yourself are a prophet. So, you know... And you discern? Were you discerning? You're not hearing right, or was it just it's it was hard to actually see? It was more of a blind spot because it was too personal to you.
0: It was a blind spot. You know, Scripture says that um, when you have bitterness and um, resentment in your heart, it dulls your ability to hear. Wow! And deep down, I was so annoyed at God. That it in that particular area, I couldn't hear him. Wow! Mm. And it does it. That, that that anger and bitterness will dull your ability to hear and see. Did you realise that was happening? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I'm a prophet, and I didn't realise. But you know what? We've all got our blind spots, don't we? We do. We yeah. need each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd, but I, But I think that our reaction at the time was so severe, I don't think anyone had the guts to anything, but anything different, except one day.
1: Yeah, well, I certainly wasn't going to say it to you back then, but
0: tell us about one day. What happened? The one day that changed it all. Wow. So I was in Toronto at the time, and on staff there, and seeing a particular conference and Mahesh Shafter was preaching that day and I was sitting on the front row minding my own business and listening to him preach John Arnott was sitting beside me and a number of others on staff and Mahesh stopped uh, his in the middle of his sermon came down stood right in front of me pointed at me and said Woman, I see a baby in your arms.
1: <laughs> it was just like that, woman.
0: <laughs> I think he said woman or lady, or I can't remember. But I, you know, it wow. was, and I oh just, I got, I was so, I wanted the ground to open up and swallow yeah. me because the room was was full. It was about three thousand people in the room, and so all eyes were on me, which is not good when no. you're angry and ticked off. <laughs> about yes, the fact that yeah. people keep saying this to you and yet there's no physical miracle.
1: Bless Mahesh. He lives here in North Carolina and he's an incredible man of God. And, um, you know, when he spoke to you with a man, a spiritual man with authority, did you feel anything? Did you feel any anointing at the time that he said that or were you affronted? I mean, what was going on?
0: You know, I didn't feel any anointing. I think I was caught up in the moment of feeling um vulnerable and angry, and so you know i I just kind of I think I really just was on good behavior on the front row, but when we got into the back room into the green room um to have lunch i it was a different story, right, Kate. <laughs> what happened at which point the volcanic <laughs> eruption oh. happened in front of john at the table and it was just john and i i think at the sitting at the table and i just said why do people keep doing this and i was really annoyed you know yeah. i bless Mahesh for bringing the word he was being obedient yeah. and i respect him as a, an incredible man of god but in that moment i'm like why do people keep doing this john i don't understand and then john stared at me right in the eyes and he said but linley what if it's true? And in that moment, him speaking those words from a, because he, he's a, spirit, you know, a spiritual he's a dad, he's a father to me, yeah. you know? And he s- just spoke it in his very John like way that pierced my heart mm. and convicted me of my unbelief. And something broke in my heart. And I said, Well, John, if that word is of the Lord, then that is gonna that is okay that is a that is good because because I know that my heavenly father is good. Wow,
1: it's like you needed a physical spiritual father to actually give you that option that maybe, Linley, this is from God, and it reminds me of the story of Mary when the angel appeared and says you're gonna conceive and you're gonna carry the the Messiah, you know, um, you're going to conceive and Jesus. And it says that she received it and, and said, be it unto me. It was like at that moment, that word was conceived in her. And it seems to me that John coming and saying, but what if it's true, was a moment where you said in your heart, and your spirit, well, be it unto me, Lord, if this is from you.
0: That's right, yeah. And thank you for saying that because I've never seen it from that perspective before. But you're right, you know, and it was. It was was a moment of agreement. It was a moment of yielding, God, if this word is yours coming through Mahesh, then of course I received that. And so the story then goes that the very next day on the Sunday, this is Sunday Conference Sunday, which is, you know, the auditorium is filled with people that have stayed over, And uh, I was on the list to preach that day. And I'd been instructed and asked uh, to speak on the subject of never giving up. So you can see the Holy Spirit set up, can't you? And so I had prepared this wonderful three-point sermon on never giving up. And I said to Stuart, I am not mentioning our childlessness. I am not going there. I can do this without mentioning that story. And I had it all written out, ready to go very confident about the fact that I was not going to share this testimony my story well from the moment I got the microphone I had to go walk up those you know those four stairs that you have to the to the platform and by the time I got to the platform the holy spirit was so heavily upon me i began to shake and reverberate and i could feel the power of god on me and then i heard myself say the beginning of our story, and I, I, I actually told the whole story of how we've we of of our infertility, and I I was standing there, you know, that comic comical thing of standing outside your body and looking at yourself and going, "What are you talking about? What are you doing? You were not going to do this, and you're doing it, and now look." You're crying and now you're making it worse. And now there's 3,000 people that are like crying with you and this is a mess. And then I'm embarrassed because I'm John on and it's in the front row and I'm like, oh, I'm messing up and I'm making a hash of it. And this is conference Sunday. And so all this is going on inside of me while I'm telling the story of our journey of infertility and the anger and the, you know, the despair, but also the, the hanging on to our faith and hope in God and that God is... God is going to it's going to work all things together for good and for those who love him and the end of the day you know we just haven't seen the end of the day yet you know and it's not like we hadn't been successful we had a wonderful journey with Catch the Fire and we had a wonderful position at Catch the Fire and we were beautifully um you know we were beautifully embraced by the family but you know what God did a miracle on my body that day that's amazing it was like the holy spirit came
1: on you as a a testimony of you the day before receiving that word. Yeah. Like a conception. It, it was a spiritual conception. And there was evidence that the Holy Spirit was taking you over because, you, like you said, you had these out of body experience like, what am I doing? What am I saying? Where is this going? Where is this going? <laughs> yeah. So
0: so tell us what what happened after that. So... Nine weeks after that day, I had some very strange sensations going on in my body. And my dear friend, AJ, um, she was saying, you, I think you're pregnant, Lindley. And I'm like, there's absolutely no way I'm pregnant. <laughs> anyway, Stuart had been away on a business trip, came back home. I said, Stu, we have to take a pregnancy test just to t- just to prove that we're not pregnant because there's something going on with my body. We we took the pregnancy test and believe it or not, it was positive. <laughs> and we today have a thirteen-year-old gorgeous wow daughter. You absolutely
1: do, and I mean it, it's interesting, you know, faith without works, and thankfully there were some other works. At oh home yes, that there took was a place, and and then the pregnancy test and. I mean, I remember you coming up, it must it was towards the end of the year, we were having a staff Christmas party, and you pulled me aside and you said, Kate, I'm pregnant. Yes. And I knew at that moment I couldn't squeal with delight. And so I let out this quiet, silent scream. It it was just like, Oh my goodness, God, you have done it again. You, you did it. have turned all these years of mourning
0: into joy mm. in a moment and it it was totally supernatural. It was a supernatural, one hundred percent bona fide miracle. We have physical we have letters from our documentation, our doc- documentation saying that we're infertile. It's a hundred percent miracle. She is divine. She's gorgeous mm. and she's thirteen. And now. she's thirteen.
1: A young woman mm. herself and You know, we've known Jordan since she was a baby and um, she has got a very special calling on her life because, you know, you said something earlier that maybe it's not God's timing.
0: Mm.
1: Now, in hindsight, as you look back to everything that you were able to accomplish in the kingdom and, you know, even a move from New Zealand to Canada Mm. for several years of your life and and being in that environment where having somebody like a John Arna in your life that was able to say, but what if? Mm. What if God
0: is true? And and the, the important thing about what you're saying too, Kate, is that the timing of God is perfect. The day that I found out I went from unbelief to realisation that I was actually pregnant to um, having a very serious conversation with God about it because I was now 40 years of age. And so we started trying when I was about twenty-seven, and so that have been a long journey. And I've got a forty-year-old body now. Thankfully, at the time I was, I was going to the gym, and I'm, you know, was really quite strong. But here's the thing: I said to the Lord, "Lord, if if this was actually in the plan all along, why are you giving me a child when I'm forty and not when I started, you know, way back when I had a twenty-something-year-old body?" and the inner, audible voice of the Lord said to me very, very clearly. He said, "Linley, if this child was born back then, it would have missed the timing of its destiny. Wow. This child is to be born now for its destiny to be fulfilled.
1: And did the Lord unpack
0: that a little bit more about her destiny. Um over the over the years yes, but there's there's something still yet to be disclosed in the spirit around the fullness of that. But it's she's she was born in revival for the revival to come
1: and the lord gave you a very
0: very clear direction about her name too. Oh, do you absolutely. want to share about that? Yeah, do we have time for that? Yeah,
1: let's keep going. This so,
0: when I was in when I was about 5 months pregnant, I had a dream, very vivid dream in the night. And I dreamt about standing in front of the prophet Bob Jones. And uh he is in a very well-known American prophet. He's now gone on to glory. Anyway, in the dream, I was pregnant in the dream and I said Bob, would you like to meet my child? Its name is Jordan. Hmm. And then we had this conversation in the dream, which is still hidden from me. But I introduced that child as Jordan, and then I woke up. And so I said to Stuart, my husband, I said, you know, prophetically, we can go two ways here. We can either take it literally that it, it her its name because Jordan is a male or a female name. You can either we can either take the meaning of the dream to mean that we're to name the child Jordan, or we can take it as her birth will be a Jordan experience. And so we both went to the Lord and individually prayed about it and came back together and both agreed it was both and mm. that. She, we did name her Jordan, Jordan Michaela, um, and then her birth was the was the beginning of us crossing over. Wow! And into a new into a epoch, new of, epoch time. of time. And uh, just recently, I had another dream that indicated that that epoch of time had had now come to an end, and we were now in the promised land. Wow! So we've actually transitioned, and she's just come of age. So she's turned 13, she's out of her 12th year, she's into mm. her 13th year, and I had a very vivid dream of, of uh, that indicated that we were now through the transition time of, um, and now we are in the territory. Wow. So this is prophetically really interesting, and I actually believe yes. it's a prophetic word for the church. It's not just us. So, you know, maybe having a pr- prophetic mantle and you become the message, your life becomes the message that I believe the body of Christ is in ha, is already in the time of harvest. Yep. That's an amazing,
1: amazing word. How the Lord used your story of of Jordan, and you know, Jordan's like any other young lady. You know, she's coy when she needs to be. She's engaging when she wants to be, and but she loves Jesus. And you know, there's something about her that she knows that she's a special child. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she's your one and only as well. Mm. Um, You know, now that she's getting older, is she beginning to realize the prophetic destiny of her life even a little? Does she have any of those conversations with you yet?
0: She's beginning to, and there's two things that are really important to her. One, she has really grasped that she's a miracle. She has fully she fully realizes what that means. And number two, she is very proud that she's Canadian. Wow. Yes. There's something about the land of her birth yes, and, and her the, destiny. And
1: the legacy. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, she's like three generations away from John and Carolina and the the revival outpouring from ninety-four. Um, you know. And God really has a special mantle on her life. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sure she's going to be a prophet like a mom as well. (laughs) Um, But, you know, this is amazing to hear the story of how God redeemed that disappointment and hopelessness. Lindley, what would you say to couples that, you know, as pastors, we... We cry with those that cry and, you know, we feel their pain. We carry their burdens. And scripture says very clearly that we carry one another's burdens, that we may be healed. Um, You know, we know uh, couples that are experiencing miscarriages after miscarriage. Um, You know, maybe they're a bit afraid to find out if there's anything more going on, anything more sinister Um, and then there's ones like you that are just still crying out for a child and you know we're walking couples through that all the time and God has given us a heart for childless couples and you know Duncan and I um, have agreed with many couples in the nations and seen babies born and one or two have been given Duncan's name, which is, is always quite funny. Um, one in Africa, for sure. And um, you know, People will come up and they'll say, do you remember me? You prayed for me. But there's always the ones that sometimes have to wait a little bit longer than others. What would you say to those people today?
0: Never give up. Never give up believing and never give up hope. Now, in the natural, some couples might get to the point where, you know, it's not going to ever happen, but there is life. Can I say this bluntly? There's life outside of children. If God's goodness is faithful in your life, then your life is destined for joy. Don't get stuck in bitterness and resentment but to re- or just really release that to the Lord and allow the Lord to be your Lord. You know, um, bring, give each other comfort. Don't blame each other, if, you know, especially if one's got problems with their body and maybe the other one doesn't or whatever. And thankfully both Stu and I did, so there was no area of blame. There was no room for blame. Blame will just en- you know, will take you down the wrong pathway. Throw yourself on the mercy of God. Always hope that life in the spirit, life in the kingdom is is me, is to bring you joy whether you have children or not and always believe in the supernatural. Always believe that God can pull something out of nothing. <laughs> he can make something wow. out of nothing. That is so true because he did that for you. He did that for for me and I released the power of our testimony. Oh, yes, I released the power you, of Lord. the supernatural Testimony of Jordan's conception and birth. I release it out over the airwaves right now to couples that are, are are needing a miracle. I release the miraculous, um, right now in Jesus' name, and I break the curse of childlessness off couples and off wombs, and in, Je- in Jesus' name, mm. Amen.
1: Yeah, Wow that's so good Lindley and we just want to thank you for sharing that story of hope and joy and you know just an encouragement to everyone listening that don't forget that God knows and he loves you so much that he can make a miracle happen out of nothing and we know he's a God that does that so bless you all and thank you
0: Lindley for today Thank you for inviting me on it's just been a pleasure second.